Hello. Well, it's good to be back. Is it, uh, what, after a gap of about a month? A few months. A few months. Yeah, I think so. This is season four, though, isn't it? What does season four mean? This is going to be our fourth year doing this. I think it's the, it means that we've taken a break three times before this. But we are always blown away by the number of people who send us their love, who download the podcast, who tune in religiously and uh, enjoy old episodes, even when we are on a break. And I think that is tremendously gratifying. That is what makes us realize that maybe we should just do another season and continue with the chit chat. And um, start started then. Oh, welcome to the Shabby and Man podcast. We are partners, parents, podcasters, broadcasters. And everything else in between. What are we talking about? What is going to be our episode one, season four? I thought we'd talk about books because we like reading. Though mm. over the last couple of years, I have to admit, I haven't read that many books. But I thought we'd do a special one on books that influenced us, books that we read while growing up. Mm things that you want to read, who maybe your favorite authors are. Is it your guilt speaking? I'll tell you what. You've been talking about a set of six or maybe even ten books that you hey, borrowed from the minute. local library before we went into lockdown. That's and you're true. saying that it's eerily silent, nobody has called you from the library and you're convinced that you will be asked to possibly shell out a mini fortune in fines when we, are, when we finally return those books. Yeah, it'll be cheaper for me to say that I've lost all the books. Yes, I'll, I, I'll pay the cover price. Yeah. But uh, is that what brought this on? Let's talk about books. No, I, I just see the same books lying next to our TV, you know, on our little shelf. Yes. And I think, God, we, it hasn't, we haven't added anything to it for the last five, six years. That's because you're only looking at that one shelf. I mean, for those who don't know, we've got books piled up in virtually every corner of the house. Uh, every room in the hallway. We've got bookshelves, we've got books on uh, bedside tables, books where there shouldn't be any books. We prop things up by piling books up. I think uh, we've got enough. But uh, you like be, to you like to buy new books. I like to buy new books. I like to I uh, don't. I like to go to charity shops and look at books as well. Because That's what I was going to say. That I, I think I get virtually all my books from charity shops. Especially after you introduced me to some fantastic Oxfams and and um, bookshops. You know, is it on Gower Street? You know the ones which are specifically like two floors. Or oh yes. With cafes in them and they're absolutely fantastic. So for Possibly those lis- listening in the US of A. We're talking about thrift shops. Yes. And this is specifically in an area where students live. And therefore, that bookshop, I think, is... To me, it is as good as Foils or any other bookshop. Um, Right. Where do we start? We've got a long journey. Where do we start? Let's start from the very beginning. Um, But first of all, a disclaimer. Yes. um, I'm not really from a very bookish family. Mm. You are. Your mum is a writer. You have a book out. Mm. You know, I think it is a bit ironic that I am from a literary family. Yes, my mother is a writer. My parents love books. They were both students of English literature and they were just carrying on the family tradition. Even my nani, my nana, my mother still has books that her grandparents, her grandfather gave to her. And I come from a family and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Many Bengalis will identify with it. Many Indians or even, you know, people around the world, those who look at literature a certain way. My mum says that for the longest time, all the big occasions in their life, you know, whether it was a birthday or the fact that you came first or you won something or you did well in something, everything was marked by a present which was invariably a book. Really? I think the only books I saw on, on my mom and dad's shelf was um, 
James Hadley Chase and Harold Robbins probably as long as you don't say the A to Z that that as well but uh, so th- that is why it's you know books have always been a part of my family's life but ironically i'm sure that you have re- read more books than i have i grew up in a family where there were books all around and in fact the other day my mother must have given them to me for safekeeping and the other day when i was cleaning out our kids bookshelves i discovered a set of six books my nana's beautiful handwriting in bengali still inscribed on the first page and these are yellowing pages it's a book, set of six mini books that my nana brought back for my mum when my mum was 3 or 4 years old when he first came here to manchester to study and when he went back to india in 1948 he must have taken them back for my mum who was a little girl so it was a charles dickens collection simplified versions of charles dickens stories for children of course you know these have i mean that is the kind of legacy that my family has now that you mentioned it i do remember when i was about 8 9 mm. i won uh, a copy of treasure island mm. from my school for i don't know egg and spoon race or something mm. so this was quite the done thing so we've got loads of books uh, to this day my mom has got books that belong to her grandparents her parents uh, with many inscriptions and i think parents tend to pass down their own tastes to their children because in my case at least that was the case i have whatever i imbibed very early on you know when you kind of read without even knowing what you might or might not like you read whatever's around or whatever you're asked to read um it is definitely a case of me inheriting my parents love of uh, murder mysteries um you tell me first talk me through your initial relationship with books as you're saying what is it that you first remember which were the stories that gripped you first I think when I was a kid as a kid in in <coughs> you read whatever your friends are reading in Bonny school and all and I think it was the ho- you probably never no, heard of these books that comes later doesn't it when you read to be in with the cool crowd no no I'm talking about when I was about 13 14 okay it was probably the hardy boys nancy drew there was something i find out was it three investigators or something with alfred uh, hitchcock i can't remember uh, but i remember reading all those things you know you'd had a school we had a school library you'd take mm, it out mm. and then by the time i i left mm. it was i kind of touched on to agatha christie and i had a great love for pg woodhouse mm. which i know everyone in india calls pg woodhouse mm. even i call it pg woodhouse and then someone said oh, woodhouse you mean i said yeah i mean woodhouse mm. so i read a lot of those books at the time mm. agatha, uh, obviously all these agatha christies and all that you also read yeah i think even my uh, relationship with books started with you know the same things mallory jars sentlers a lot of enid blyton because my mother is a huge fan of enid blyton my mother was described as india's enid blyton in that, i was just wanted to ask you that uh-huh. that um, your mum's books mm. are required reading for schools so how yeah. how well, is all it? her books but yeah she is required reading plus you know because my mum i think um really straddles many many genres she writes for uh, young adults she writes for very young children she writes for toddlers she writes you know so no so how did it how was it for you like um did people like love you or hate you because you they were having to read your mom's books so fortunately for me or unfortunately for me whichever way you say see it my mom's books became required reading in schools after i'd already finished school and i was at university then i remember so that was the next phase of my mother's writing career but by then my sister and i we both you know we were out of school so we didn't have to read any but now i believe for the last 25 30 years we've been out of school probably longer than that but uh, you know my mom even to this day in in bangalore she gets asked by schools to come and be the chief guest at elocution competitions creative writing competitions and kids are massively thrilled and you know i feel that that is that to me is genuine fame you know because my mom just 
arrives at a school and then it happened very recently where the younger classes they were not meant to be uh, I've seen I've seen one photograph, seen photograph where, where right? she's mobbed where she's mobbed by yeah. these younger kids who were thrilled to know that you know somebody whose stories they have just read is in the school and how can she possibly go away without us meeting her and it happens so many times so that kind of tells you how deeply children connect to the author and to to stories as well so um so yeah uh, i mean even with me i think crime fiction became a turning point in my life and i think that i i lay the blame entirely at my dad's uh, door because you're such a big sherlock holmes fan aren't i'm you? a big sherlock holmes fan big and i think i've inherited that from my dad uh, dad was a sherlock holmes fan and much before we could actually read the stories ourselves you know dad would uh, tell us these stories as bedtime stories so from the hound of the baskervilles to uh, sign of force petal band all of these and my father is hands down the best storyteller in my family so the way he would describe what was going on that kind of whets your appetite and you want to when you're old enough to read it yourself you obviously want to read every nuance you want to read every story yourself and even mum my mum is my mum could have agatha christie as a specialist subject in mastermind i'm sure and she she'd ace it because over the years um uh, so we had a lot of i only named these two but my mom and dad they have read you know edgar allan poe they have read dorothy says they it's not that they were partial only to english writers you know even american writers they they are voracious readers and even my sister my sister brother in law for them reading is a part of life you know we kind of talk about a book uh, read about a book read a review see an ad and we say oh this looks interesting let's read it But my mom and dad and my sister they read as a matter of course. So um so yeah crime fiction was big for me growing up. I remember um on Sundays you know, my dad used to take me to the local pub. Mm. Yeah. Uh, on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> and I I'd get a coke and a sausage or whatever while my dad would have his Guinness. Mm. And um there used to be a plaque there. Mm. Yeah. So I remember I was always intrigued and then I thought I'd read you know I must have been about 16 17 18 mm. whatever. So um there was a plaque for um Evelyn Waugh. Mm. So I remember reading Decline and Fall and Brideshead Revisited and all. Mm. Vile bodies. Vile bodies yeah. Mm. In fact you've got in your local park where you grew up in Finchley you've got a bench there which we noticed much later which is dedicated to uh, Charles Dickens because he wrote a book there. Something to do with um, uh, I think it's set there. It's set there right? Mm. Chiselworth I forget uh, what it is. Martin Chiselworth. Martin Martin Chiselworth the Chiselhurst or something clearly it's a book that both of us only know very vaguely. But uh, we both haven't read it. We both haven't read. Though it. in school I had to read Hard Times by Dickens, I remember that. Mm. So and then again I think I inherited my mum's love of Daphne du Maurier. Um Daphne, I only I only know Rebecca and Jamaica in. Rebecca, Jamaica in, my cousin Rachel. Oh yeah. Quite a few. Um and I was I was a lot into plays as well. I remember my grandmother gave me her prize possession which were two big fat volumes volume 1 and 2 of the complete works of George Bernard Shaw. Um so I was into I remember Bernard Shaw and I remember I I, I loved reading plays at the time. Actually, this reminds me of a very funny story but I was on my 14th birthday mm. my uh, my aunt my aunt's Italian. Mm. Um she gave me the complete works of William Shakespeare mm. and something about Charles Darwin. Mm. Now 
when you're 14, mm. who wants the complete works of William Shakespeare? Yeah. I don't think I opened it for about two years. Mm. And what, even then you were probably forced to open it because you had part of it as your GCSE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the last thing you want. Yeah. See, that is something, like I said, my parents did literature, so Shakespeare, and my parents are again very big on poetry. You know, Tennyson, Keats, you name it. They, in fact, to, to the extent that my mom and dad can still recite lines and verses, you know, to this day. Uh, somehow that I completely, that completely passed me by. That must have something to do with the school you go to as well. Because mom and dad went to school where you were taught a lot of this uh, at school. I went to a school where we weren't taught Shakespeare. We were taught uh, rather, I think, modern uh, English literature was part of our course. So, um, what you read as a child, I think, also has a big influence on you. I'll tell you what really changed my life. And I think you can judge your taste in literature from the books that you read when you are at will, when you are, when you have a free hand to choose. When you're not forced to read. You're not forced to read something. When you, you know, like happily choose something that you wish to read. I remember my Hindi literature teacher from 12th which is sixth form in Kanpur, B Singh Sir. B Singh Sir. B Singh Sir. And it was his oratory skills, it was his way of explaining. I hope you said to him, I'll be seeing you sir. I'll, I'll be, be seeing, seeing you sir. But it was his way of explaining uh, a story to you that really gripped me, you know. And I still remember to this day, we were doing, when you do Hindi literature, you do Chayavad. Chayavad is uh, neo-romanticism, which was prevalent in India in the 20s, 30s, 40s, just before independence. And you have these massive names, I'm sure you've heard of them, Jay Shankar Prasad, Subhadra Kumari Chauhan. Um, in my uh, Hindi school days, huh? I did uh, Munshi Prem Chand. Huh. I'm not sure if Munshi Prem Chand falls in Chayavad, but these were these new set of writers and poets uh, who would talk about, like I said, neo-romanticism is how they're described. Um, uh, their genre is described. And there's one story that Jay Shankar Prasad wrote which was set in Banaras. It was set in the turn of the 18th century, 1781, when Warren Hastings was the Governor General. It was called Gunda. Still remember that was part of my course. And it is the description more than anything else of, you know, the ghats in Banaras and how there are storm clouds gathering you know, um, uh, at a distance and how this man, it is about, he's a bit of a Robin Hood character. He was a Nawab's son, uh, but he's kind of given all his wealth away. And it is an extremely tempestuous time politically in India, where the Britishers are, with each passing day, gaining more and more uh, powers. And there is a, a class that is, you know, it is just before the uprising as well. So there is a class that is kind of now. But this this book is written pre-partition. It is written pre-partition, yeah. It is set in 1781. So it, it is written pre-partition. Uh, and it is just the power of description. And I think Chayavadis also were brilliant at, again, drawing metaphors from life to tell a story. You know, and it is about, I remember in, at that impressionable age, you know, I'm talking about 1718 when you're in sixth form, 16, 17, 18. You know, at that age, when you read about love, you read about sacrifice, you read about duty. I think if it is told well, you, you, you're probably, you haven't experienced most of these emotions as an adult. But if it is told well, these things somehow shape your imagination. So I'm a bit confused here, even though it was 
prescribed coursework. Yeah. You enjoyed it. I I loved it and it was all down to my teacher. You know we hear it so often when people say that because I had a good teacher I really warmed to the subject. For instance, I hated maths physics because I have memories of it. I I was bad at it, but then my teachers didn't help. They were terrible. How much I heard you mention quite a few times that um, you did uh, Mark and Ryan's guide. Yes. And that's have, a book yeah, that you hated. That's a book I hated for some reason. I only know the Devan and film. Yeah, but that was again Uh, the, uh, at the same time because i did english literature and hindi literature for a levels so english literature we had far from bad in crowd um uh, thomas hardy which is again a completely bleak dark terrible story that no 17 18 year old babita or something babushka what's her name what babita batshiba evadine gabriel oak batshiba evadine it's a very very sad story you know i think babushka is a kid bush song i'm just wondering off there yes and then so on one hand i had guide and i had uh, uh, far from the mary crowd on the other hand i had, you know so hindi literature somehow it really spoke to me and so i think artist in literature is also shaped by what you read how it is explained to you when you get good teachers you're hooked it's, i also think it's the time you read it like yeah. something i read at a certain time means something to me yeah if i if i read it again now it, i think what a lot of rubbish you know mm. i don't know why it yeah. was so influential yeah you're right You know I felt the same way when I was looking at these uh, promos that are running everywhere now that the, the cast of friends is having a reunion after is it 30 oh, yeah, yeah. 25 30 years I think it finished 17 18 years ago Yeah and even though I know that friends is popular with with teenagers today you know but there is a section that is saying lashing out on social media saying oh please you know we don't find it funny so what's the big deal about Joey Rachel and I felt exactly the same way we watched this at a time when we were a certain age when we were thinking about jobs and careers and relationships and hopes and dreams being shattered and all of that and you know your monica chandler joey rachel they were all talking about the same thing so maybe it means more to people of our generation because it, it initially the stories were about um people who are going through the same things that we were but i digress it's not about television it is about literature um what kind of books do you read now what do you gravitate to now by the way i, I go through periods like In my early 20s I went through this beat period you know reading anything I could by Kerouac or Ginsberg mm. I used to walk around with this copy of William Burroughs uh, Naked Lunch mm. and I found that same book I think I traveled Southeast Asia with it mm. and at the back of it I've got all these song chords and you know just trying to be cool probably at the time yeah. and it's still lying in uh, my mom and dad's house mm. so um, a lot of beat writing then um, Paul Bowles you know sheltering sky and all uh. who didn't want to live in uh, Morocco at the time mm. So I went through that phase proper beat writing. But if you asked me what uh, which books actually influenced me, mm. I'd say I mean I'd say probably I'm a big fan of As- Atlas Shrugged. No, I'm not. Are you not? I, no, you're right. I I it is an Anne Rand book mm. called The Fountainhead. Oh, The Fountainhead. Mm. I remember my sister was obsessed with it. And uh, you know, Anne Rand her uh, her philosophy in life I don't agree with. Mm. But I but I do uh, that book was profoundly influential on me mm. in my 20s you know do you know uh, what fountainhead is roughly about mm. um, I can't remember now but this is guy I think his name is Howard Rook mm. and he's an architect mm. and he doesn't want to conform to the old type buildings he wants to build modern new things he wants to be the he wants to stick out and do something Zaha new Zaha Hadid is it Dame Zaha not it was Dame Zaha she sadly passed away yes. now yeah. but so he um he he wants to go against the grain basically mm. and not be conventional mm. and it's about stepping out of the box and doing your own thing mm. even though everyone's going to hate you for it mm. so that book had a profound thing for me and at that same time 
You know, there were these self-help spiritual kind of books like um, oh, um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle yeah. Maintenance yeah. and um, The Road Less Traveled. Mm. You know these books I'm talking about? Yeah. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Yeah. I think that's Rick, Richard uh, Bach. Ba- yeah. What about uh, uh, British Asian writers? Were you not influenced by the... Um, uh, I, I forget now which is Hanif, Hanif Qureshi. Hanif Qureshi. Yeah, I, I, I loved um, huh. Buddha Suburbia and I had one book of his called The Black Album. Mm. I, I went Brilliant through that. Mystery of Fine Balance. Yeah, I went through that uh, Asian authors thing. Yeah. I, I mean, you do. I like, suppose you, you have to read Vikram yeah, Seth. Vikram Seth, Salman Rushdie, Jhumpaleri, Arundhati Roy. You know, a lot of those. I mean, I hate For to me, say my this. favorite uh, Salman Rushdie book was not Midnight's Children. What was it? It was called The Moor's Last Sigh. I loved, again, for me, uh, when it comes to Vikram said, I loved A Suitable Boy, which I only read very recently, by the way. When that TV show came out? No, before the TV show, but after I heard the radio play. BBC had oh, yes, a radio yes. play about 15 years ago. Yeah. But then that's not my favourite Vikram uh, said novel either. I liked another book that he wrote called Two Lives, which is very autobiographical. And do you remember? we? You got this book I, me I have actually 20 read it years well. ago and I, I just I, come to this I've country. read it as well. And it is about Vikram said... Is his, his dad a violin player or something? God, I can't remember now. I'm not sure if his dad is a violin player. No, his dad worked in Butters. No, I'm talking about in the book, in the book. In the, no, this is extremely uh, autobiographical. Oh. So it is about his uncle and aunt, who were his local guardians here in London, around the corner from your Finchley, actually, in Hendon, when he was a student at Oxford. So it was about Shanti and uh, Henny. I still remember Shanti was his uncle, and he was married to this lady who was uh, German stroke, uh, Jewish. So you can imagine what kind of a background she would have had. So it was actually two lives as in their lives, how they met, their background stories and absolutely riveting, beautiful. Uh, To me, I think that is Vikram Seth's best book. Um, So yeah, I also believe in the power of um, familiarity. You know, it's a bit you like, like to, you like to read the same book again and again. It's a bit like uh, reading out a bedtime story to kids. Many kids love it when they know what's on the next page because they know that they draw comfort from the fact that they know how the story would end. A lot of people say to me, "How can you read something that you've already read once, please?" And I think again, this is a trait that I get from my mother. I know my mother is a voracious reader, but my mother also likes to keep going back to her favorites and reading them all over again. Doesn't matter how many times she's read. For instance, books like you know, Secret Garden and sometimes classics. I find it very hard to do um, movies and treat. movies and books. Mm. If I know the story, mm. no, I really I'm can't go back. I can't go back. I to can it. even reread a crime thriller knowing who did it and read it all. The only again. exception is, as I was saying, these spiritual self-help books like um, uh, Robert um, Briggs' um, Zen and the Art of uh, Motorcycle Maintenance, or um, I forgot his name now. Is it M. Scott Peck's um, The Road Less Traveled? Mm. These sort of books you can dip in and out and. Um, I always remember, um, it was 20 years ago now, I got a book from uh, the footpath in um, Delhi mm. and I was on my way to Kathmandu mm. and I picked up this book and, it was, and I never heard of uh, Deepak Chopra at the time. I think it was one of his first books maybe. Mm. It was called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Mm. Picked it up, I took it with me it, and I still have it. That's one of those books that I, I kept going back to because um, mm. I really enjoy. That's one of those ones you can just dip into a chapter. Mm. 
So that's it. And I think we me. somehow bonded majorly over William Darrenpil as well because we discovered William Darrenpil at the same time. That was the same time you introduced me to Helen Fielding when I hadn't moved to this country. We were still living in Delhi. We just got married and we were about to get married. Even, I even I was introduced to her at the same yeah, time. It was so a brand new book. I think Bridget Jones, Jones was massive then. It had just come out. It was one of the big books uh, on every... And why don't you tell people how we met? Or, uh, yeah, we used what to do the, love. The, the, crossword, the crossword puzzle. No, it's not how we met, but after we used to do a radio show together. Together. We used to go for a breakfast every Saturday, yeah. And Sunday we used to go for a breakfast, a fantastic breakfast. Um, uh, it was a big thing there in Delhi because it was like an English breakfast, yeah, with a, with yeah. hot chocolate, I think, yeah. wasn't it? So we could choose either a continental breakfast or you could choose a stack of pancakes with maple syrup or whatever it was. So we'd do a proper official, not official, we'd do a proper formal breakfast, and then at the same time we, we would also do the crossword, which was the Guardian crossword essentially, but it was carried by the Telegraph on the last page. It was carried by the Asian Age. The Asian Age, sorry, yes, the Asian Age. Um, but that's how we discovered many books as well. I think we both discovered William Darnpel at the same time, and we've just fell in love with William Darnpel's writing. And over the years, I found that you know all, there are books that I can name, like Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni is a big favorite of mine. Um, Jumpaleri I do like. So there are loads of other authors that I've discovered along the way. There, there are books that I've read in the recent past, by that I mean in the last 10-15 years, which have left a profound impression. I, I like to read Indian authors and Asian authors. And there's a, um, a Pakistani author, um, I forgot his name now, it's Moshin Hamid. I mean, Moshin a fantastic Hamid. book called Moth Smoke. Hmm. I read a Moth Smoke. No. Amazing. I yes. thought you were going I, to say Khalid Hussaini, The Kaitra. I haven't read that actually. Hmm. But uh, Moth Smoke is one of my favorite books. So, I would pick, I would pick a curious incident, the curious incident of the dog in the night time, uh, Mark Haddon, as one of my all-time favourites from the last 20 years. I, I, actually, I, love that, it. I love it so much that I took the boys to watch the play, two years ago we went to watch the play. You did, I remember. And I think it's one of those rare books which looks at many, many stories I've spoken about, the protagonist who's a teenager who's suffering from Asperger's and autism and all of that and how he gets to solve a murder. So there are lots of um, uh, uh, amusing twists and turns and there is a profound message at the end which is about I don't think too many books talk about this, that when a family goes through a lot of stress because their child has special needs, mum and dad both react to it a certain way. And it's always assumed that if there's one person who cracks, it is the dad who would leave, walk out of the door and leave because he can't take it anymore. He wants a normal life. In this case, it's exactly the opposite. It is the mother who who is absolutely unable to process the fact that she's got a kid who needs so much of her time and attention and what looks as a very selfish act of walking out on your own child then you see how that what insecurities that child goes through what lies that child has been fed from a very young age what his dad has told him purely to survive and to make sure that you know he doesn't add to the complications and then finally when the child discovers what the truth was how he makes his peace with it how his mother makes his peace with it and even though it is a teenage read and like i said there are many amusing elements to keep people of all ages occupied i think if you this is one of those books where when you read it at a different stage in life i think you take away a different message and i so you, you I, have that book somewhere haven't we have it somewhere. i haven't read it you know, at the moment, I think for the last 10 years, I've been going through um, travel writing. Mm. I love... Both of us travel, love food and travel, food writing, travel writing, especially when it's combined. My mum's other big love was history. My mum would love books that had a historical uh, flavour. And um, 
somehow I think that's kind of rubbed off on me as well. Although I've not, again, not read as history books in terms of, you know, world history. But then I do love something which is set in a period where you get a glimpse into um, a world that existed long before you even arrived. That's a bit William Darnley, isn't it? William Darnley, yeah. But it, I'm also thinking of all those Russian authors who would describe, you know, what it was like to be in Russia 100 years ago, 200 years ago, all of that. Well, I have to confess, I've not read War and Peace or yeah. any, any of those books. I've not even read, um, what was that Margaret Mitchell, Gone with the Wind? I remember on my mother's bookshelf, Gone with the Wind was the fattest book ever, alongside Woman of Substance, oh. I think Woman of Substance. And then later came uh, Suitable Boy, which was a doorstopper. Uh, talking about your mum, you know, one thing that kind of blew me away mm. was the fact that if you read something when you're young, mm. and then then I saw that your mum had written some of them, mm. was these um, comics that I grew up reading called Amachitra Kata. Yeah, my mum so it was suddenly stories. seen that some of these were written by your mum. And yeah. you know, they're... Because you know, they are classic stories, uh, folk tales, which were adapted for modern reading and my mum did a lot of those. Um, another author that I, uh, I really fell in love with was, again, my friends and I, we were reading autobiographies. There was a time when I was at uni when we were all reading autobiographies at the same time. Maybe Don't tell me, let me guess. Temina Durrani. Let me guess, let me guess. Is it Maharani Gayatri Devi? Devi. All of those. So I read all of those at more or less the same time. I think we both said it at the same time. Maharani Gayatri Devi. Devi. And um, then there was uh, Manju Kapoor Dalmia as another uh, Indian English. Author. Wasn't she your class she teacher? Was, she was my, not mine, but my friends. She yeah. used to, uh, she was a professor at Miranda House. Yeah. But then I read political science, but my friends who read English, she would teach them. So it was that connection that, oh, it's somebody we know, let's read what she's written. And it was beautifully written. And again, it was set during the partition. Um, so therefore, I think it's always fascinating to read about times that you have not seen. But then again, not too far back into the past, but times that you can relate to because you know your grandparents have lived through it and you've heard many stories. Um, so yeah, I think that that is our relationship with books. And I do feel that that's why you and I insist that our boys read as well. Of course, they don't read as much as our generation did because they've got far too many distractions. They hardly read, let's be honest. Hardly read. But then they do read for pleasure as well. And it's important because if you don't get these books out of the way at the right time, you're, there's far too much to catch up when you're an adult. You know, if you, Like you said, I, I miss that. I know that even if it is only a sketchy idea of what the book might be, you know your classics. You know the story of Black Beauty and whatever it is, you know, uh, Three Musketeers and all of that. I've, I've, there are many very famous books that I have absolutely no idea what they're about. That reminds me that um, I remember having a conversation with your grandmother mm. and um, she was really into uh, Alexander, Alexander Dumas. Dumas. Yeah, she, she was. Yeah. In fact, um, she was into French literature in a big way. Uh, I think. Uh, Did you write? Three, Ra, I think he wrote Three Musketeers and Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. But La Miserable was her favorite book of all time. Really? Yeah. In so, English or in French? Uh, in English, in English. Uh, but then she was again, you know, she she knew her Sanskrit literature. She read uh, English. She read Bangla. I think that is an advantage with my mum, dad, my nani, people of that generation who were taught by English nuns and English fathers. So they developed a love for English literature also in nani's case. And all I, was, I, I was taught by English fathers. You were taught by English fathers. So they developed a, 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 a love for English literature very early on. Actually, that, Irish fathers. Yeah. And then because they were in Bengal, you know, you can't escape. Bengali literature is so rich. There is just so much to explore. Uh, and so they fell into that as well. But I think my mom and dad were big fans of poetry. 
uh, and are still big fans of poetry. So are you into Rabindranath Tagore and... Not really, not as much as... I, I, any Rabindranath Tagore that I have read, I've read translations. Either Hindi translations or English translations. I've not read Bangla literature in Bangla as such. Uh, so there you go. That is. But I also like not very literary books as well. Yeah, of course. I'm happiest reading um, Jeffrey Archer. Mm. Yeah, Enjoy of course. It. That is also part of uh, fiction, like it or not, popular fiction. Yeah. Right? And we've, we've read our share of those as well. When it comes to autobiographies that I've read in the last 15-20 years, um, Stephen Fry, absolutely unputdownable as they say. What a brilliant recollection of his life and the, the life that he's lived, you know, in the public eye as well as all his struggles with mental health and all the rest of it when he was growing up. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. What about uh, Peter Mayle, someone who you Peter adore? Peter Mayle, I absolutely love. P with Peter Mayle, what you realize is that good writing is not about fancy words. It's not about making a sentence the hardest that you can and using the most complex words that you can lay your hands on. Good writing is often very simple, but it has to be something that touches you immediately. There, there can be no pretense between writer and, and reader, you know, because you, you can't keep it up. And Peter Mayle writes, his books can only be classified as travel books, but also an extremely easy breezy read. You know, he talks about his time in France when he moves to Provence, his fascination with French culture, French food, uh, customs. I think he wrote a book called My Life on a Plate. My Life on a Plate. His Which was about French. Even... Talking about uh, books on food, yeah. it was quite surprising mm. that we both uh, had read Anthony Bourdain separately. Yeah. yeah. I'd done hotel management, and he, you know we'd all so had his. Prescribed reading we all had his book, yeah. but I was surprised that you had. Um, yeah, which I one was it? Was it Kitchen confidential? Confidential. Kitchen confidential. And I'm always fascinated to see how all the dots join up. You know, when you're reading, Anthony Bourdain is a chef. Was a chef sadly, was a chef. He's written so many books. So you would expect to read about food and uh, ways of cooking and all his culinary influences and his idols and all the rest of it. But what it teaches you about someone's life, what it teaches you about how they have dealt with good things and bad things, how they've dealt with disappointment as well as success going to their head and therefore looking back on their lives and taking back those life lessons. Again, my Somebody I've discovered only in the last couple of months and I've become a huge fan of talking about, not a writer, but a chef here, Ranveer Barar. As he said in a recent interview, that kitchen lessons are life lessons. And it's so true. You know, there, there are some dishes that demand patience. You try and rush them, it's not going to happen. There are some things that demand technique. That is where you can't say, oh, mera man kar karna. it needs precision. Exactly in life. I you think we've, have to mold we've, yourself. we've meandered away from books to, um, to cookery and to chefs. cookery and food. But they're all related. They're all interconnected. And I, I feel that even when I was fascinated by autobiographies, whether it was Maharani Gayatri Devi, whether it was Benazir Bhutto or anybody else, you... And they've all led lives that, you, that you've not lived, you know, royalty and you're talking about times that you've not seen or you're talking about political times, political turmoil. I just remember, did you read a book on Indira Gandhi and you read somewhere that she lived in Finchley yes, Road? Yes, yes. And we were just newly yeah, come to England yeah. and I said, oh, I live near Finchley Road. We actually went and let, saw that. Let me show you where it yeah, is. Finchley I remember Road, that. Yeah, that is just around the corner from the waitress there on Finchley Road. But yes, I was reading something on Indra Gandhi. So I'm always fascinated by autobiographies and what it tells you about the person, not so much their profession. You know? What about all these um, celeb, celeb uh, things? You know, your current Johars and your Twinkle Yeah, Kuna. I read them, but that's 
that is more for work by work i mean you know to be able to throw in a bit of gossip here and there about behind the scenes what happened on a film set or, but again i think that is the allure you want to know about the person you want to know about their journey their struggles you know success to sapuna sarata it's there on a platter for the world to see and admire what got you there what got you through the dark moments that is what makes your story right um and i think everybody is fascinated by the same things uh in terms of relatability we're all trying to do the best we can we're all living through times where you know you've got to have those uh those books to fall back on to draw inspiration from and uh, are there any books you're hoping to read or any authors you wish you'd got into look kaha shuru karu many many but i think uh, you know i if there's something that fascinates me you know if i read about if i read a review or a read about a book being talked about like zadie smith you know a lot of a lot of things that get a lot of coverage in the press you know a lot of books that are either they win a prize book as prize pulitzer prize this that or, or, or a film is made out of a them. film is made like arvind dalgas the white tiger you know it had been lying on our shelf since 2009 it's true we both didn't I, read we it we both didn't read yeah. it but now that the books you know the movies come out and we've really enjoyed the movie you know they say there's some books that you buy to read and there's some books that are for sure you buy for instagram for sure yeah. you know they're just lying there to say that oh i have this copy yeah Yeah. So but but yeah. Which is a sad indictment on us but still. But that's the way it is and I have never felt ashamed to either say I don't know the story I've not read it or to go back in time and read something which people might have read 10 years ago and said great things about. You know it's okay. You whenever you are ready to receive whatever the book has to say. Because it's not that you know I got the white tiger when it was the book of prize winning book that year. man book prize winning book but it didn't grab me i started reading it i gave up after chapter 2 and i said i don't want to read it at this point in time and that was also a time by the way when i was writing my own book if you remember oh, yes. <laughs> good job you um, reminded me yes let's talk about your book let's talk about my book so my book was a book to accompany a tv series that i did in belgium called india for beginners it had 10 distinct chapters each chapter had a different theme so you had politics you had art you had bollywood you had science and technology you had gender and caste issues you had food you had fashion fashion everything that defines indian culture so it was a behind the scenes of not just what we shot which is there for people to see on television but it was me looking at india as a non-resident indian after moving away from india living outside of india in in london for many many years this time as a mother looking back on the life that i had had and my reflections of the india that i remembered from my growing up years the 70s 80s 90s and the india that i saw when i went on the shoot which was a good um 10 years ago 10 years uh, 10 years ago and 10 years after i had lived away from india as well so that gives you enough perspective to kind of judge what you like what you don't like what you love things that become a part of things that are in your bones things that are a part of your identity and no matter how many years you live outside you know they mean they define you they mean something to you but did you enjoy things. did you enjoy the whole book process you know the, the thing it. no i mean you know going on tv shows and talking about the book yeah, kind of i did love it the and press I, that comes with it the press that comes with it and because i'm writing about my own life writing about my own experiences you know it it was fantastic it's like somebody asking me to talk about a certain incident in my life 
so it was quite cathartic but i don't know i don't think i have the discipline of a writer because my mom's been telling me for the longest time why don't you do another book why don't you do another version of this book and this and that but i feel and a lot of writers say this that even when you when you are facing a writer's block or even when you have absolutely nothing creative not a single creative thought in your head writing is a discipline like no other sit at that desk make sure you write even if you're not happy with what you're writing but put something out there put pen to paper or type something out every single day there is a discipline to it you can say that oh i'm very moody you know oh, i have to find the right muse or the right coffee or the right ambiance Oh, but saying that there is a book there is a cookery book on the back burner for what, four years for, now four years now and uh, that's because i want to combine just as a combination of history and uh, i think no i think your publisher is uh, given up given now. up no i'm saying that i'm just seeing the rationale behind wanting that book so badly just as i've always been fascinated by books that not just tell you the recipe but tell you the story behind it as well that not just tell you about a period in history but they also have a little bit of fiction woven into it i quite like the idea of uh, of a dish a literary dish which counts a bit of history a bit of nostalgia and a few recipes as its main ingredients don't know if that'll ever happen but i want it to happen I, again f- uh, up until now i've not find the discipline i've not found the discipline but who knows once the kids have flown the nest and they've gone off to university which is not long from now and we have more time on hand 5 years it's 5 years 6 years and it will be free birds it will be free birds i'm not looking forward to that time i'm going to you're not looking forward to it no. i'm going to buy this bike motor, not that i can ride a motorbike i'm going <laughs> to string yeah i'm going to string a guitar on my back going to buy a step going to buy a stetson grow my beard it'll yeah. be totally white by then probably yes. but that's it you're almost there you're almost there that's it then i'm off well that's it this has been the longest episode ever i think and uh, i have no idea how long it is but i do hope uh, you've enjoyed it please uh, leave us your comments tell us the, about the books that you have grown up with the books that have left uh, an yeah, impression this, on you this season will definitely try to be more active put stuff on um, twitter Yeah. Shabin man on Twitter and Shabin man on Instagram. Instagram and we've got a Facebook page as well. But please do uh, uh get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts on literature, on books, on reading, uh, on the art of storytelling and whatever it is that has shaped your thinking, your personality. Until uh, next time it's time to say bye I think, right? Till next time then. Bye bye now. Bye.